0: Come on, the Lord is good. Yeah. Aren't you, uh, be seated, please. Aren't you glad to be a Christian? Yes. Man, I love being a Christian. I was a sinner as a young man. We weren't raised in church. In fact, my mom, she died at 90 and I asked her once, come we weren't raised in church and her comment was, I'm not sure you four Barclay boys were even like raised and So uh, thank God we survived a sinnership, sinnerhood, but now I'm in the sonship, amen? And uh, there is nothing better, in my opinion, than being a born-again Christian in the darkest day of uh, modern history. That's the day we live in, praise God. I love this church, I love you, I feel like I'm part of this church, and Vicky and I feel You know, I'm a speaker globally all the time somewhere, like Pastor was saying. But there's certain churches I come to, I feel at home here. And that's, that's, you know, because of you and the welcoming, and we thank you. May you receive something that we can leave with you today. But you know, this church has, this is a high caliber church. You come in here, and you're, you'll change, you'll change. The anointing is here to help us, make us better, right? Change our mind, make us better Christians. But when I come here, I literally can feel the presence of God. Do you? I do. I'll come in this sanctuary. I can feel the presence of God. You know, we're privileged with that. Don't ever take that for granted that he's with us. I know he's in here. And he doesn't live in buildings like this. He's in this sanctuary right now because we've dedicated this to him. So he's welcome here. He knows that. He's the only real important person here as far as kingship and your highness, you know. But to be able to come in here, maybe you don't know because you can go to church like this and really get spoiled. You know, have everything the way it is here. But it's actually a little bit... um, Disgusting and shocking both how many churches you can go to and you never feel the presence of God. You never do. Or at least I never do when I'm there. But you come in here, you can tell that God has been worshipped here. Our God, Jesus, he's been adored here. He's been loved here. That's one of the best qualities your church has thank god for it and besides that you have cool pastors that don't hurt any right i asked pastor this morning i said "Ah, i'm like perplexed i had this i'm bewildered i have this question and he got real serious he goes what's that i said how'd such an ugly dude get such a good-looking chick come on man then it dawned on me, wait a minute, I'm in the same category. What are you saying? <laughs> so Vicki, now my Vicky, I met her at 13. And we dated, you know, we weren't Christians, but we dated, you know, through junior high and high school, got married at 18. Uh, and then we have been married, uh, as Pastor said, uh, 51 years. And um, so one day, oh, a few years back, not too many, we have these dual sinks thing in our, in our bathroom, at our house. So I have my sink. She has hers. Now my sink and all of my stuff is an absolute perfect Marine Corps military order. I mean, every bottle knows to behave. And when I put it back, it's got to be just at the right angle with the label facing just right, short to tall. Right? And it's immaculate. Now, Hurricane Victoria, <laughs> on that side, wow. That's all Like I look over there, it's like, how does she ever find anything? But you know the weirdest thing? She does. She knows wherever they get. She says, don't touch it. I know right where I put it. So she's digging like this. Yeah, there it is, right where I put <laughs> it. Okay. But all that to say, one day. I was getting ready for church and she was and I can tell she was looking at me. No no I mean looking at me. Hurrah. <laughs> and all and all the married men said Hurrah. So I could tell so I don't know it's natural so I'm shaving away and I could tell she's looking so you know I got this used to be my chest you know this was all appearance. <laughs> And all of this was my forehead or something. So I'm shaving away and all of a sudden it's like... (laughs) Huh? And she literally... Wait a minute, let me finish. She literally looked at me and said, I believe you're the most handsome man in the whole world. I know it's not true. I look in the mirror. <laughs> but it's like, Lord, I believe you open blind eyes, but you got to keep Vicky a little cloudy, a little blurry still, please. I mean, praise God. So I got me a picture of when I was uh, fresh in the Marine Corps, you know, and everything was just still perfect. The gravity haven't, hadn't won anything yet in my body, you know. So I got that picture and I'm going to tape it on her mirror and remind her. It's who you married, baby, right there. <laughs> Sometimes she'll go like this, and she'll go, "Where's that marine I married?" <laughs> I heard her tell Jean once, "I married Mark for his looks, but I'm keeping him for his money." <laughs> I'm not sure. I have the gift of interpretation of tongues, but I don't always have the gift of interpretation of Vicky. So I'm not really sure what that means yet, but, but it's working, so I'm sticking with it. Amen? Amen? You know what I love about your pastors? They're Bible people. Isn't that kind of uh, sad to say in a way? Could, shouldn't we say that about every preacher, every teacher, every pastor? But you can't. You really can't nowadays. In fact, I would say, not judging anybody, that some of the preachers you're following on the internet or television are probably not right at all. And now they got all this heresy mixed in there. And if you don't pay attention, you can easily have your mind changed even about major doctrines that you've been taught here. Because that's what deception and heresy does. But you're, you're blessed because your pastors are Bible people. And those of you that come to church here regularly, you know that by the content. But you also know that if you're closer to them, that they don't just talk a good talk. They are living the Bible life. That's the second thing I love about them. They're the real deal. I don't like Tinsel very well. Do you? Tinseltown? you know, fake stuff. Let's put on the show, the Ritz. You don't have that here. And I want to remind you how blessed you are that you don't. I know you know these things, but I, I want to be one to say, listen, you, are, you may not travel from church to church to church to church like I do or conference to conference. Uh, you probably don't. But when I come into a place like this, I'm not flattering. I have no reason to flatter. Your pastor and I are a very secured relationship. I'm not a flatterer anyways. I mean what I say. And I think you bear witness what I say because you live here. I'm visiting here today. You live here. And to have pastors that are just real. There's no play. There's no dirt. There's no theater. There's no pretense. Right? Amen. Amen. And to have a first lady like this. You kidding me? Anointed of God. Co-preacher. Hold her own. Mother of the flock. Amen. Amen. And I double dog dare you to disobey her orders today and call him Stevie. May I even saw the Chronicles, the scribes of heaven erase that comment from the Chronicles of Heaven when Jean said, Thou shalt not ever call him. See how fast I obey? Father, bless this house. You have, you have already. We know you're here. That's why we're here. That's why we bring our babies here. That's why we have our spouse here. That's why we're here. Because you're here. Your word is here. You're the manifestation of your presence in this house is extremely noticeable. And we love you for it. Now, whatever time we have left this morning, Lord, teach us, build us up, challenge us, help us. To be those soldiers, those disciples that you want us to be. Oh, la baso, la mandor, la blisteke, la nosho, lisa, la mando la mostaka. Supernatural, the Lord says. Supernatural money. Supernatural money is coming to this church family. Supernatural money. If you don't know what that is, you know there's natural money. There's soulful money, and there's spiritual money. I'd like to teach on that, but it's a message for another day. Everybody knows natural money, the dollar, the currency, the trade, the barter. But I see God supernaturally advancing you, bringing you the most unusual amounts of money in what you would say a miraculous or most unusual way to get it to you because we're going to build this. We're going to build for God and uh, it's going to be, the Lord's saying this to me right now. We're going to build, they're going to build for me and it's not going to be painful and money's going to flow because you're going to have it. I would say that if you gave your best offering this month, all month long towards building what we got to build, it would not immediately be enough to build and pay for that building. But when you hook up with God and say, I'm a candidate, bless me out of my socks, God, and you'll get most of it, the Lord never wants all of it. The Lord never wants all of it. But sometimes the Lord only asks for 10% and then what you choose to give. But a lot of times the Lord wants most of it. And uh, you still get to keep some of it. But I see in the spirit as well, I can say thus saith the Lord. I see in the spirit realm, the harvesting angels are going to help you go fetch wealth in the most unusual ways. And you're going to bring most of it to the house of God. To advance the kingdom of God. And then you live on the rest of it. And I'm not talking about what you earn now. Well, I I know I've been at this a long time. I know you'll sacrifice for the things of God you had before. So there's a sacrificial part where you look at what you got, what you earned, what you got saved, what you could sell, what you could give away, sacrifice to advance the kingdom. I know that. You know that. This is not a baby church. This is a high caliber church. But what if God was to add to you the money that you have in your heart? I know this. I've done this myself before. Lord, if I had that money, I'd just build a building. Lord, if I had this amount of money, I'd help, you know. And and the Lord hears us saying that. So if you hook up to God, by the way, I wasn't asked to say any of this, except for by the Holy Ghost. Your pastor never mentioned this, like, can you do this, that? No, no never has never will but I believe with all of my heart because I see it in the spirit that if you'll start now to ask God bring me my portion of the supernatural supply and I'll bring it to you God and we'll build for you to make room for others in the kingdom of God is that good? Raise your hands then and ask the Lord right now. Just do it. Lord Jesus, bring that to me. You can ask him. Go ahead. Lord Jesus, I pray you bring that to me, that I would have supernatural heavens, God-given help. Oh, la basala blosti. Send the angels ministering spirits to reap to show me how to reap in this earth and supernaturally breathe upon it, I pray. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. So I will prosper, my life will prosper, my family will prosper, and I will be able to do my part, my part about building this great kingdom of God. Let's pray in the spirit just a minute, come on. Say, Amen. Say, I receive it. it. Turn with me to John 21 for a minute. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 21. Everything I just said, I said on purpose, for a purpose, and it was by God. So I'll deduct it from my time in the pulpit. Because it's all what God wanted me to say. It wasn't like a warm-up. Praise God. John 21. If you don't know where John is, it's right after Luke. And chapter 21 is right after chapter 20. And I'm going to verse 17. I don't know why I'm sassy this morning. But but for some reason I am. Lord Jesus... Help us with these verses. Look up here a second. You know, this is about the only time of church services that's for you. We pray to God. We praise and worship. And you're good at it in this church. Not just the band and the worship team. I notice you guys know how to worship here. A lot of churches, they watch the band. You know how to worship God. But that's for him. The tithes and offerings—that's for him and his work. None of that's for you. Now you might really—I enjoy worship. I'm not a good singer. In fact, I'm the guy in the shower. I start singing, and I hear, <clears throat> uh, "Just, uh, just talk to me, Mark." God says, "Just." Talk to me. <laughs> yeah, it's that bad. But the Bible says, just make a a joyful noise unto the Lord. So I totally qualify for that. I'm just telling you. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, this time right here, you remember this. You probably know this. But you remember this all the rest of your life. When your pastor opens the scriptures, that's the part of the church service that God made for you. And isn't it amazing in almost every church except for the cheating churches, you know, the play church, the placebo church. They, they cheat you by giving you a little 10-minute story or a little Reader's Digest thing or something. Cheat the Word. But in most churches, more time is dedicated by God for you to study His Word so you can learn His Word and walk in His ways than any other segment segment of the church service. We, we normally study, preach, teach, study, pray longer than worship, Longer than the offering, longer than the announcements, right? This is your time. And so when you come to the house of God, this is not a good time to, like, daydream. Or We know some of you Zoom, you know, out of here, I mean. We say, if I say "Say amen and you say aloha, (laughs) we know where you've been in your brain, right? This is uh, not a good time to make your grocery list, check the weather, the sports. Or even sit and just think about how long is he going to preach? I got stuff I want to do this afternoon. Or stuff like that. This is your time. And God made it this way. Right? And so help us with that, Lord. Amen. Say amen. Amen. All right. Did you find John 21 yet? Man, I stalled as long as I can. If you don't have it by now, you're going to new convert class. (laughs) Verse 15. So when they had dined... Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more, more than these? So the question wasn't just a matter of, do you love me? It was a matter of, do you love me more than these? You know, there's, if you want to study it later, uh, it makes for a great personal study. Go look up the three first the three, there's three of them, that the Bible says first, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Another verse, God said, bring me the first of all. It's called the tithe. Tithe first of all. And then Jesus said in the book of Revelation, why am I no longer your first love? Now there's other loves. I love my kids. I, you know, I, uh, yeah, I love my wife with all my heart, but it's different. It, and even though I would, I've never had another woman, I never will. I'm, I'm a one God man. I'm a one woman man. I'm a one Bible man, et cetera. I know who I am. I know what I got and I'm looking to replace nothing. Right. And, uh, and yet the Lord said, do you love me more than these Well, of course, to keep reading, he saith unto him, Peter, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee, and he saith unto them, feed my lambs, my people. 16, he saith to him again his second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, feed my sheep, 17. He saith unto him the third time. You know, three uh, seemed to become a real big number in Peter's life. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a three problem. Remember? Yeah. I'm going to the cross with you. No, you're not, big mouth son. Jesus said, Barclay version. No, you're not, big mouth son. You're going to deny me before that, that rooster in the morning crows, cocks, crows three times. The third time he said unto him, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, uh, lovest thou me? And he said unto the Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. What on earth is going on with this? It's the same thing with you and me. I see it clearly in my life. What was Jesus really saying to Peter? Let's dissect it just for a minute. Then we'll pray over you. You know, there's no connotation here where Jesus asked his disciples or Peter, hey, do you know how much I love you? That's not the question. That's not the question. The question isn't, you you guys know that I'm Jesus and I'm your Savior and I'm going to go die for you and, and, and be tortured first. For you, you know this and you know how much I love you, right? That's not the question. That's not the question. In fact, Jesus said to us in other passages, if you love me, keep my commandments. So a lot of people say, oh, I love the Lord, man. I love Jesus. I know Jesus. We can tell if you're lying or not or cheating or not by your performance. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, I've traveled the world over. I've, I've literally lapped the globe multiple times. I've been in so many countries. We're established as a missionary in like 80-some countries, still very active. And so I've been I've been gone a lot. Sometimes Vicky goes, not normally, but sometimes. And when our babies were little, she raised the kids, you know, and, and uh, it takes an anointing to do that. It takes a great woman of God to understand that and do that. Uh, I'm saying that for this. Now, there were nights I didn't come home, but Vicki knew where I was at. She knew I had people with me, men with me, you know, helpers, armor bearers. But on the nights I was supposed to be home, if I wasn't there and I showed up like, a day late, it's not okay. I could say now, Vicki, you know I love you. Now, we've been married all these years. Haven't I not come home every night? And I miss one or two nights and I don't show up and you don't know where I'm at and it's a big deal. Uh-huh. And it's the same with God. You're, he's either our first love or He's not. He's either first on your list. Or he's not. I'm not judging you whether he is or not. That's your deal. You got to judge yourself. I got to judge myself. But the bottom line is, he's either first thing, the first attention, the first thing in your life that you think about. The first thing in your priority list is to chase God. Or it's not. And so that's what the Lord is saying to us. So he said, if you love me, keep. My commandments. Next verse, if you love me, then live my sayings. Live like a Christian. So being married all these years, and I've been a very faithful husband and never had another woman and don't want one. You know, I always say, Mark, one's enough, praise God. And so stick with the one you got, which I'm in love with, anyways. But so I do the same thing with God. I don't need another God. I'm not shopping around. You shouldn't be shopping for another church. You got a pastor, he's a holy man. She's a holy woman. And uh, they, and, and what do you, you got? You got a holy man with a Bible in his hand. What on earth might you be looking for? Right. To keep shopping somewhere. And then people. Oh, get ready. I feel that prophet thing coming on me. (laughs) They're not in church. I will guarantee you, if I had your pastor stand up right now and look over this congregation, it won't take them long to tell me that not every member of the church is here today. So being the man I am, I don't judge anybody. I'm busy dealing with me. But at the same time, I would say, what was it so supernaturally, eternally related that they think they could not come home uh, a day or two and it's okay with God? Well, Brother Barclay, chill out, man. It's just church. Oh, that's the problem. That's what, that's what we're talking about. So this is different. What we just read is different, and what Jesus said here was not, you know, how much I love you. You know, I'm gonna, I, you know, I'm gonna go be tortured for you. I'm gonna die for you, and we're gonna cover for your sin. You know, and that's what he's been teaching his disciples as they go along the way. And, and so he turns to the number one guy. I don't know if it's the number one guy. There's, the theologians are different on this. Was he like the assistant savior, the assistant? Apostle, was he the number one man or the first pope of the Catholic Church? Who, by the way, for the record, Jesus never left the kingdom to Mary. He left it to John on the cross. Mama, this is your son. Now, son, this is your mom. So was, was Peter, was Jesus grooming him to be like the first pope of the universal church? Or, wait a minute, or, or, did Jesus need more, did Jesus know Peter needed more attention than the others? I mean, you got to admit, this guy's pretty rough character. I mean, this is a guy that lost it even after he met Jesus Christ. His middle name might be Peter, Mark Barclay, <laughs> Jonas. Right? Right? So, Peter, do something with what I'm going to do for you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Then when I'm done doing my thing, do something, Peter. Do something. Help my people. Second time, do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord. Well, then, then do something. Third time, thir- three times, Peter. Now why wasn't it disciples? Hey, John, you too. James, he was like Peter. Do something with what I'm going to give you and do for you. Now, I know uh, I want to share something with you. It's not really spiritual, but not everything has to be connected to a cloud high in the sky or something like that, you know. So I had this military leader from uh, the Marines. I'm still tight with them. And he called and he said, this a handful of years ago, he said, uh, hey, Dot. Well, I've been a good influence on his life and got him filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, along the way. Hey, Dot, have you seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? I said, I heard about it. I haven't seen it. I'm not a big movie guy. I don't go to the movies. I just, I, I'm not against movies. It just that uh, how do you find one? that isn't putrefying your soul. I can't. So I just quit a long time ago. I said, you know, and besides that, it's a military movie, right? Yeah, it is. And, and in all military movies, they like overemphasize words that you and I haven't even heard in a long time, let alone said. And I said, besides that, sir, almost all American-made military movies are mockery movies. Hollywood makes them to mock our military, our, our civilian commanders, our country, the cause for the war. And I don't need any of that. Now, if you go back to an old John Wayne war movie where it's propaganda, you know, it always ends up right and, it, and they don't mock our troops, but not anything in the last years and years and years. So I said, no, sir, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see that. Well, all right, but I think... Uh, I just really think that you should think about it. Okay, thank you very much. Praise God, hung up. And about a week or two later, it came in the mail, a DVD from that guy with a note that says, you know, teasing me. Hey, holy one, at least watch it at home. So that kind of stirred me up a little bit. So I told Vicki, let's watch it. And we'll just kind of, Plug our ears when we need to. So I turned it down. I'm going to tell you something about that movie. I'm not pro- don't watch that movie. That's not what I'm telling you. In fact, I'd recommend you don't let your young people watch most of that movie. It's not pure. It's not Christian. It's not clean. However, the first 30 minutes of that movie when they hit the beach is about the closest thing to real combat. Any veterans in here really were in real combat situations, you know what I'm talking about. They, um, that's the real deal. And it's sad to say, but in one way, I wished every young person in America could watch that 30 minutes and see the price that was paid to stop socialism and the spread of communism, which is not only running rampant in America, but I have a funny feeling that some of you even voted for the party that loves socialism and is breeding communism. And if you did, I don't know who you are, then you might as well go fly to D.C. and spit on the Vietnam Wall because men like me and then uh, almost 70,000 others not like me that didn't make it fought and died to stop what you voted for in America. I hope you have a solid feeling about that. I'm off that now. And so um, Saving Private Ryan is a story about Mrs. Ryan who had four boys in World War II. All four of them were in the combat theater somewhere. Well, a clerk finds, you know, they're sending letters home to mama and daddy and your boy's been killed and fallen in action. And so the clerk finds one Ryan boy. Then another Ryan boy... And then the third Ryan boy killed in action. But another one says, well, do you know there's a fourth Ryan's son and he was dropped into Europe theater. And uh, this is World War II. So it's not today. They call me from the combat zone with bullets flying on the cell phone. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, but back in that day, and today the military can tell you how many pencils they own and the length of them. Back in that day, it wasn't easy to just go find a guy. So long story short, the whole movie is based on this this really smart general, a real patriot uh, army general says, this is too much for any mama to pay. You find that boy, that fourth Ryan boy, you get him out of there and you get him home to his mother. Well, sir, sir. We'd have to form a special team. People, could, they could get hurt or die. You find that boy and you send him home to his mother. No woman should have to pay this kind of price. And so the whole movie's based on finding Private rhyme. See, I'm telling you enough, you don't have to go watch it. <laughs> but there's something in here I'm headed for that I want you to understand. And it fits what Jesus was saying to Peter. Because what Jesus was saying to, to Peter really is, do something, Peter. Don't just believe something. Don't just have a memory that you met me and you were here for this. Right? Feed my sheep. Okay, so back to Ryan. So they the whole movie's based on this special team and uh, they they do get hurt. Some of them die. And at the one of the final scenes, the captain in charge of this team, he's fatally wounded. He's sitting on a bridge. They found Ryan and they're working their way through the, the, the war zone to get him back to his mama. The captain, just before he dies, waves at Ryan to lean down. And he does. And the captain says... Earn this. And he dies. Now I'm watching it at my house. And honestly, I'm not much of an emotional guy. I don't try to be like this hard guy. I just, it takes a lot to even tear up my eyes. I don't know why. And so when, when he said, when he said, earn this. Now we're sitting on our bed watching this on our TV. And when he said, earn this. Man, something hit me hard. It's just a stupid movie. That's what my brain said. It's just a movie, doc. Settle down. It's just a story, but it is a true story. It hit me. Something hit me right here, man. And I could feel my heart. Not my blood pumper. I could feel my heart, you know, like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And then the movie goes on, and one of the final scenes is Private Ryan. He's an old man now. He's lived his life. He lived his life because somebody died for him that he could live. And he's at the grave and all the the crosses, you know. Some of you voted for the party that want those crosses taken off those graves. I sure hope you know what you did. And it seems to me that everyone that wants the cross removed from all the military graves, they've never been shot at. They haven't shed a drop of blood. They don't get it leave that grave alone mm-hmm. just a side note no I'm not running for office <laughs> so Ryan's walking through the grave his wife is a little bit behind him they're elderly his grown up kids are coming he finds the captain's uh, grave and he kneels down and he, you can see the tears in his eyes and you know Hollywood's real good at, at that and then he, his, his, his son helps him get up his wife is there And he turns to her, old man Ryan, and he says to old Mama Ryan, Tell me I'm a good man. Tell me I've lived a good life. In other words, honey, you've been with me since I came out of the war. Was I worth saving? Was I worth these men dying? What did I do with this? And I'm going to tell you, that thing hit me so hard that my inside overrode my brain that said, stop it. It's stupid. It's just a movie. But my heart inside, I flew out of my bed and I fell on my knees in the carpet in my bedroom. And I couldn't help it. I looked up and I said, Jesus, oh, my God, was I worth dying for now, you would have died. He died for us anyways. That's not the case. Lord Jesus, but was I? You were tortured for me. You died for me. Was I worth it? What have I done with this great salvation? What have I done with my life? Not to copy the movie, I couldn't help it. I'm not used to being emotional, first of all. And that thing just kind of overwhelmed me. And so I'm on my knees. I mean, I'm I'm really before God. I still, when I talk about this like to you right now, it still grabs me quick. It's like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've lived a pretty good life, especially since, since Christ. I'm a blessed man. But that's way beyond. Was I worth dying for? How have I spent this? Say it. How have I spent this? That's what Jesus was saying to Peter. Earn this. In other words, not earn your salvation. Nobody can do that. That's why he died even before you were born. It's not like you can earn. That's not the point. The point is, He do something with your life that at least makes it worthy that, that somebody died for you so you could live. Jesus died for you, you live for him, right? And so I literally turned to Vicky that night and I said, Vicki, you've known me pretty much all my life at 13. And uh, it takes a courageous woman to be a, uh, a combat warrior's life. And in my day, there was no communication. I talked to Vicki twice in two years. There's no cell phones, there's no internet. Her and my mama used to watch the nightly news like the Huntley Brinkley report or something back then to see if they had a listing of deaths or to see if maybe with a different filming little clips that they would see a, a, a clips of me that takes a pretty strong woman mm-hmm. A pretty you know all you military and you and those of you that are that are cops you know what I'm talking about they face this every day and so I said nobody knows me like you and all these years we've preached We don't play. I'm not a pretender. I'm not one way here and a whole different way at home. You could ask my kids. They grew up in my house. And uh, I said, Vicki, you know me better than anybody. Tell me I'm a good Christian. Don't lie to me. She wouldn't. Tell me that I deserved him dying for me, that I've done something with it. And of course she said, well, I'll tell you right now, I'm a witness to mostly your whole life and you have spent your salvation well. You haven't, you're not a prodigal. You know, a prodigal son doesn't mean runaway. It means wasteful. The word prodigal doesn't mean runaway. The wasteful son took what he had and just went and blew it. I hope you haven't done that with your salvation that you've allowed our master to be tortured, die for you, humiliated for you, and then you took your salvation and you're like a sheep, but you live like a pig and you just kept your life going the way it was. That's not why he died for us, guys. Can I have a better amen on amen. And so my challenge to you today, I'm sure you picked it up by now, spend this well. Go to God. In fact, this would be a good homework assignment. Go to God today, sometime tonight, today. Lord, how have I spent my life since I've been born again? What have I done with it? How have I used this? Who have I influenced with this? Right? Am I that son? Can you look at your husband or wife and say, tell me I've spent this well. Tell me, can you look to your Lord and say, uh, I do love you and uh and, you, and honestly, you, you might have to admit, I haven't done so well spending this. I mean, I love Jesus. I go to church or something, you know. But um, you, might, you might flunk your own test, in which case, it's not too late because you're still breathing. Amen. You can't live yesterday over again. You spent it. Last year's gone. It was spent. Whenever you got saved, born again, five years ago, 20, you spent can do nothing about that. But from this moment right here forward, you can get before your God and you can literally say, I love you and I will do something with this. Uh, from this point on, I will spend this well, this great salvation. You died for me so I can live for you, right? Yeah. And a couple of my favorite verses, Romans 12, one and two. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, That you present your bodies. Bodies, that means you're present. That you present your bodies holy and acceptable unto God, right? And then it says this phrase for this is your reasonable service. No metal. No citation for going above and beyond the call of duty. For presenting yourself to God's house, God's altar and God's word and God's man. It's reasonable service. In other words, it shouldn't be that big of a deal being all that Christ went through that you and I, and I don't think you do, just let me preach a minute, I'm almost out of time. That you and I think it's painful or it's stretching us to make every Sunday morning and Wednesday night. I do my best pastor. But, well, what's the but? Who else you serving? What else are you serving? What else has your attention? I know, I know. Sometimes you sell your soul to the company store. Moses says, get to church. And Pharaoh that you work for says, you work for me or you'll get fired. And because you're mammon related, you listen to Pharaoh and not Moses. Thinking that's sparing your future but it's not it's not it, now you're kind of quiet today I know you're used to straight tooth here straight truth here so this can't be offending you right you're just quiet because you're overtaken in my handsomeness if that's the case you need your eyes open <laughs> Lift your hands to heaven and say this after me. Now, if you mean it, he'll hear you. But say it anyways, if it's just a startup spark to start this forest fire in your life. Say, Lord Jesus, right now in your house on this Sunday morning, in the name of Jesus, I say to you, I will spend this so great a salvation. In a proper way. I will. My mouth will prove it. My lifestyle will prove it. Whatever I put my hand to will prove it. And my money will prove it. I give you my word from this moment on, I will examine my soul, I will judge my soul, and I will spend this well. Help me, Lord Jesus. Tell him. You say it this way, so help me God. You say, why would you, put your hands down, look up here, amen. Why would you say that, so help me God? Because some of us have already created our Christianity habits. You already, well, I love God, will I go to church when I can, will I tithe when I can, I give when I got a little extra, I forgive somebody when I get over it. We already got our little weak Christianity habits. Now, some of you have strong Christian habits. So I'm not just like picking on people. But if you're one of those that you already got your little habit, this is how I serve God, this is the way I do it. And it doesn't come up to how you should spend this being someone died so you could live, let alone eternal salvation. Then this would be your opportunity in this fresh commitment, Lord. I'm going to need your help because I'm already stuck in my habits of this is what I think about church and this is what I think about the offering. This is what I think about what pastor says. This is what I think about the altar. And you may think good about it, but it doesn't mean you're doing it. Is that a fair challenge? Yes. It is. So this, I'll tell you this one couple, I did a, um, I did a little mini series on church attendance because I think that some of the hireling preachers they're teaching you that there's no verses in the New Testament on church attendance that pastors made it up. But that's so wrong. You know, that's like second grade Christianity. So I did a second grade Christianity level. Here's why we go to church and here's what the verses say, right? So this couple in my church, they've been there a long time. So they come up after church, caught me at the altar, you know, church is over. And they said, Brother Barclay, honestly, that's one of the best sermons or series you've been teaching on. That's one of the best you've ever done. I said, Oh, you, you like that, did you? Yeah, they said, Yeah, we agree with that. I said, You agree with that? Yeah. It's my alarm, sorry. Didn't want you to think I'm playing with my phone. And uh, yeah, oh. So maybe then you should go look at your church attendance because it stinks. Now, I know a more polished pastor, more professional clergyman probably wouldn't have used the stink word. He would have kissed him on the forehead, patted him on the bottom. I learned even from the football players, you don't get a bottom pat if you fumble. You only get patted if you do something really good, right? Or the tough guys hit you on the helmet, right? We're not going to hit you on the helmet for losing the game for us. Forget it, man. So, I, so they got, you could tell they were a little heated that I said it, that to them. And so, well, Pastor, I think you got the wrong couple, honestly. I mean, I, there's a lot of people that go to church here, so they, and off they went. Okay, well, I finished, you know, next sermon, next sermon. And about two Sundays later, here comes this little couple after church, and their heads hanged down, which was not my intent. They said, uh, uh, can we talk to you for a minute? I said, yeah, what's going on? Well, we went home and looked at our calendar, and we were shocked, Brother Barclay. We were ready to argue with you when you said we need to fix our church attendance. We thought we were really doing it, and we are pretty good at it. But when we started judging ourselves and examining the records, we couldn't believe how many times we haven't been in church and what we were doing. It's not like we were in bed trying to stay alive, half dying. It was, we just made other choices. And, and when you said that to us, we got angry with you. We talked about it on the way home. We've been going to this church all these years. And Pastor and Vicki don't even know us from somebody else. They don't understand what we do. And how often we come here. <laughs> yeah. They said, we discovered that uh, we're not the church attenders we thought. I said, you know what the problem is, darling? You believe what I preached. You just don't do it. You've taught yourself. It's called self-deception. You've taught yourself that because you amen my message, because you don't have a problem with church attendance, because you do come when you want to or when you can, when there's not something in your life more important, then you come. So you taught yourself that you're great at church attendance. But now look at when you examine yourself, you say, "Oops, got to spruce that up just a little bit, don't we? Yeah. All right. Because you're so quiet, I'm penalizing you five minutes. I'm going five minutes longer. You should have been. We're close to lunch, man. You should have said amen a lot quicker than this. Yeah. yeah. It's too late. Who said amen? Nice try, Bella. Nice try, Bill. So I taught this other series on, uh, on tithing and how it differs than giving and where it came from, you know, and, and, you know. Tithe happened in Eden. Tithe happened with Abraham before Moses was ever born. No law was ever given to Abraham. The covenant was. The law was given to Moses, which, by the way, was a great act of love on God's part to keep them alive and stop the demons from devouring them up. So... Tithings found in the law it's found in the minor prophets where we're explaining where to tithe, how to tithe, how much the tithe is but Jesus said to tithe in Matthew 23, 23 and a whole chapter in the book of uh, Hebrews teaches us about we're the sons of Abraham New Testament Christians so we're to tithe so I went through this little series sure enough here comes this this, uh, this other couple in my church, different people and they catch me going out the door, pastor we just want you to know that we are, we are amen in that series, that lesson, as loud as we can. We are in so much agreement to what you're teaching. We believe in tithing, and we, we just we wish everybody here would tithe. And I don't know, it just kind of came out of me. You know what I mean? You ever say something, and then you, you want to almost say, oops. So it just came out of me, and I said, Well, I think maybe you ought to look at your tithing record. I don't think it's so good either. You say, you look at, you're the pastor and you look at the giving records? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because if you're tithing, 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 giving, 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 and then there's a slump, that tells me, just like when you go to the doctor's office and and they ask you five times what's wrong with you, it's like, hey, I'm paying him to tell me. But you go through the low process and then the nurse comes in and she takes, you know, the vital signs. I've never had one yet say, your blood pressure is the highest we've seen for Woo! You win! These numbers are awesome! Wait till I tell the doctor. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. No, no. Even they're smarter than that. So a good pastor studies that giving because if you dip, there's either something wrong with your attitude or you're in financial trouble. Either way, I need to know about it to pray for you. Well, in this case, your pastor. But we need to know about it because if you do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, and then all of a sudden you do it, 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 do it. And then we got this flat line like somebody died at the hospital. Then we say, there's something really wrong. We better check on this family and see if they're okay. Amen. Do you know they stood there and argued with me? I said, I don't want to argue with you. I probably shouldn't have even said what I did to you. And I apologize for the way it came out. It's just that I, you stood here acting like you're just these perfect tithers. And I couldn't let it slide. I don't know. And so I'm sorry I said it the way I did. Well, you're wrong. I'm just going to tell you. So the woman said, Pastor, I love you. I'm going to prove this to you. You have mistaken us for somebody else. I'm going home and I'm going to dig out our tithing record for one whole year. And if you'll let me, I'm going to bring it to you and I'm going to show you. I said, okay. I felt like saying, help yourself. But in two seconds, I can have him print it off. But if you want to go deal your, get all your little papers out and your checkbook and you, go ahead. So sure enough, next Sunday morning, can we just see you two minutes after church? Well, of course you can. And so uh, they come up and they had this sheet of paper, about four of them. And they said, um, Pastor, we need to ask you to forgive us for being angry with you. Okay, forgive it. I could tell you were mad, but I forgave you on the spot. I really did. And so okay what's going on well uh when we added up our income and then added up our tithe which we have a record of through giving different ways we fell pretty short of what the bible says the tithe is i said you did i want to say golly gomer (laughs) If you're under 50, don't worry about that. <laughs> just don't worry about it. There's no way Andy Griffith let it ride. And forget about Andy, too. If you don't know who that just, just let it ride. We just ought to close, right? How many of you even know Andy Griffith's show? That many of you? You didn't tell me this is a convalescent home meeting today, brother. Oh, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, man. Woo! There you go. And so, and I told them the same thing. Listen, I'm gonna tell you what happened. You're good people. I didn't mean to anger you. I'm your pastor. I love you. I'm trying to help you. But you know what happened to you? You believe in tithing. You endorse giving. When I read the verses and taught on it, you said amen. Why? You believe that. You know this. But you took for granted You deceived yourself that because you knew it, you were doing it. And when you went home and investigated your life, you learned something, didn't you? That I'm believing a whole lot bigger than I'm doing. Isn't that good? Now, being I brought up church attendance and tithing, uh, what door am I going out? (laughs) Start the car, aim it to the jet, and get me four bodyguards that are tithers. Give the Lord a good (laughs) clap. Come on, clap real good. Praise God. Now, if you own and operate a business, own or operate it, stand to your feet right now. If you own or you say, well, I'm the CEO or I'm the CFO or, you know, I own the thing or something like that. Father, I know that you want to prosper these because they not only have the pool of their private money, to give out of but they have other pools in the business in the marketplace and I pray for every one of them and listen carefully as I pray for you I pray that any person or business any client or customer that owes you money is blessed by God and haunted by God to bring it to you May they wake up in the night and say, we got the money. Let's get over there and pay those people for what they did. Everybody, everybody say amen. amen. So I speak that over you. Number two, I say you have divine favor to go and reap. The Bible says God gives us the power to get wealth, not just gives us wealth. He gives us the way to get well. I speak over you right now in Jesus' name that in your business, you're gonna have the power of God to help you reap from this earth the blessing of God. Thirdly, I pray that all debt uh, that you have accumulated, even if it's taxes, that will be broken and it will be canceled and or you will be able to just totally pay it off. Totally pay and get out of this pressure. I pray and I speak over you from the office of the prophet that you will catch a fish with a coin in its mouth that is big enough to pay all your taxes this year. One customer, one job, one sale, one client that will be enough to cover all your taxes just like Jesus did for his disciples in times past. May you prosper on and be used in the most mighty, mighty way in the kingdom of God to be used by God in the name of Jesus. Everybody, say, "I receive it, I receive in, it. Jesus name. in Jesus' name." Please be seated. Pastors, stand up, would you a minute? Let's lift a hand. Don't you love your pastors? I do. If you don't want them, send them to me. Listen, this is the truth. It's no flattery intended. If my family. You know because i 'm still pastoring the senior pastor, but I travel so much i 'm really more of a traveling minister, but if my family relocated here to this town i'd be i 'd have my family under this anointing right here i 'm telling you straight out my family would submit here and uh, we would help you in this church this is a you, this is a quality church you're quality people this is a quality shepherd, and you know it. Amen raise a hand up here to them let's pray over them Father may they have the sweetest times pastoring here no more struggle not that they're in struggle but no more struggle just peaceful times at this time of their life anoint them to shepherd the house of God anoint her to mother the flock of God anoint him to father the flock of God and let more come I see it remember what pause a minute on that prayer Mm -hmm. remember we talked about in private the play church, the placebo church, the worldly church, the dirty church, they're coming undone. Mm -hmm. Some of those people will never serve God again because they say, oh, we had the best equipment, we had the best buildings, and look what happened. No, they'll never serve God again. That's what the devil wants. But I see lots of people finding you and saying there's truth there. The word of God is there. The anointing of God is there. And the new people, you know, since COVID, our church is growing. The new people coming in, you know what they're saying? We haven't, we haven't felt the spirit of God like this in a long, long time in our church. That's correct, honey, because he really probably wasn't there. When you block him at the door and say you're not welcome, but they're going to find us because he is welcome here. Amen. And now let's pray. Lift a hand. And uh, this section right here, look at me, this section, you pray for their health, strength, and their body. This middle section, you pray for their money, their vehicle, their house, their livelihood. That's right. And the far section over there, you pray for the anointing to put up with you. No, no, not just you, all of us. They're looking like, hang on, we don't want this assignment. We want to be the money people. Let them be the... Heavenly Father, thank you. We do pray and we mean it. We ask you and we know you're listening to us right now. Thank you for this wonderful couple. They have sown their life here. They have sown their life here to this flock. Let these days of their life, even going into this new advancing building program, let it be sweet and fun and paid for. And uh, yeah, and let them have a blast, pastor, in this flock. May this flock treat them. Like gold, because they are. We all know, because they've taught us, we don't worship them, we worship Jesus. But we do esteem them highly in love for their work's sake. And we pray for them, and their kids, and their well-being, in the name of Jesus, say amen. amen. Clap real good, come on, praise God. Come on, Stephen, praise God.